Hola. Hello. Bienvenidos a Enredo. A podcast about raising bilingual children. I do like to read with my mama. This is Paula. And this is Monica. Bienvenidos a Entre Dos. A podcast about raising bilingual children. Welcome, everyone. We hope you're holding up okay. We're working on bringing you more frequent episodes that will hopefully help you through these times of COVID-19. So be on the lookout. Today's guest, Elizabeth Quintal, is a dear friend of mine. We met in a birth class and our children, Emilia and Grayson, practically grew up together until Elizabeth and her family moved to Spain. Elizabeth is a writer and she and her husband, Aaron, just started a creative agency called The New Antiquarians. We'll link to their website and social media profiles in the show notes. Elizabeth talked to us about her experience moving to a country without knowing the language and about how she's creating some routine for Grayson while they're on lockdown. Here's our conversation. Elizabeth, we wanted to open up by asking you about your personal experience um, with language. You grew up in Houston, but your family is of Mexican descent. And we were wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how that was, that they speak Spanish to you, or kind of what was that relationship you had to the language growing up? Uh, well, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate being here. Um, I love your podcast and I love what you both are doing with it. I think it's so important and so needed for, for families right now. And, um, I'm just really grateful to be here today. Um, but yeah, so a little bit about me growing up. So I'm Mexican descent. I grew up, um, in Houston, born and raised, but my family, um, didn't grow up speaking Spanish. My grandmother, um, had made the decision that she really wanted her kids to be American. Um, she had nine children and she wanted to make sure that they felt like they were American. Um, and it was a time when she was raising kids that we still had Brown versus Board of Education, that there was a lot of discrimination going on in the South and their accents was just not something she wanted her kids to have. She wanted them to sound like they were here, they were born here, which they were all born here. But, um, she wanted them to feel like that. So she decided to not teach them Spanish. And um, for her in the time and the place that she was, it made a lot of sense. But when I look back on it now, it's like, oh, because I feel like we lost so much by not having the connection to our language, um, the language of our ancestors, the language of our roots. Um, her and my great aunt still speak Spanish. They speak Spanish to each other, but they just did not teach their children. And so therefore our parents didn't teach us. And so we're twice removed from the language. And yes, we know the choice words here or there. We know a lot of Spanglish, some slang, um, but we don't have the same connection to the language that I wish I, I wish I did. And now <laughs> you took your family, um, your, your family to Madrid. And so now you've transitioned to a country where um, English isn't the dominant language. And um, so tell us about that move and, and whether any of you, whether you or Aaron, your husband or Grayson knew any, well, how your Spanish was before you left and how it was to 
kind of make that transition language wise? Yeah, it's been a challenge to say the least. Um, we knew zero Spanish. Well, like I said, I knew slang and some Spanglish, but nothing, um, not really knowing Spanish. And Aaron knew zero, Grayson knew zero um, when we moved here about two and a half years ago. And um, everybody said, oh, you'll pick it up so fast. You'll pick it up so fast because you'll be immersed in it. And um, really, we didn't. <laughs> we did not pick it up fast. Our son, on the other hand, did. He, um, I think because maybe he was more immersed, we put him in an international school thinking it would be um, easier for him to transition. But it turns out the school we chose was actually had more Spanish families than international families. So he ended up with a whole class of all Spanish families. So it, the dominant language was Spanish for him. And he was really the only one whose um, native language is English. So he did pick it up fast. And I would say maybe within six months of being in the school, he was pretty much fluent. And at this point, he's pretty fluent. Um, he has conversations that I can't have. Um, so it's it's really interesting um, turn of events. Um, I find it funny because before my career, before I had my son, I worked in a homeless shelter and we would have a lot of Spanish families, the mainly Mexican or South American, but the parents would not speak Spanish or English and their children could. So the children would translate a lot for the parents. And now I find myself in that very same situation, but reversed where my son has to translate Spanish for me sometimes. So it's uh, quite a circle that I've made. Um, Aaron and I are getting by. We we uh, still are not fluent, but we're better. Um, our listening is better. We understand things better, but our vocabulary still struggles. Um, so we are working on it, but it's it's a process. Um, my husband he lived in France and Japan abroad before this move and um, before I met him, and he says it's definitely different moving with a family. Um, it was much easier for him to pick up French. It was much easier for him to even pick up parts of Japanese because you're just single and you're by yourself and you're younger. He said, but with a family, it's like we have all of these other things with an international move besides learning the language. So I feel like it's um, it's slowed us down a bit. But I can get food anywhere I go, whether it's the market or a restaurant, I can always eat. I will always be able to eat in Spanish no matter what. Grayson, your son, is has picked up Spanish so easily. And kids do because you know what? They want to play and they want to have fun. And if they realize that the way to do that is to learn another language, they will. <laughs> They're very focused on on the important things in life, right? And um, and. Are you right now working on um, his English, for instance? Do you think that that's something that is, is that provided by the school? Does he have a curriculum in English or is that something that you're doing at home? So he um, so at his original school, we sent him to they did half in English and half in Spanish. But the primary subjects were all taught in Spanish, so like reading, math, um, anything that was a core curriculum was taught in Spanish and kind of the extracurriculars were mainly taught in English. But um, we changed his school this school year because we needed a different structure for him. So he's actually going to an American Montessori school now here in Spain. So his primary lessons are all in English and then he goes to Spanish um, two times a week. 
So we kind of flipped it a little bit, um, but he's keeping up with his Spanish and it's, he's maintaining his levels. And actually for him reading this, the, what I struggle with most is he is uh, such a better reader in Spanish than he is in English. And he doesn't want to read in English because it's just harder for him um, because to sound out the letters and he understands better in Spanish when he's reading. So um, we do English at home. He has English at school, but he also has Spanish at school too. Grayson, I totally understand you. I'm there with you. English is hard <laughs> to read. <laughs> it is very difficult. I stand in solidarity with Grayson. But the, the and you know, it's funny, my, my daughter likes to read in Spanish as well, even though her school is English, it's all English, but Spanish, because it's just, it feels like it's, it's much more phonetic. Um, so you, it, what you see on the page is what it is essentially. Um, so it, it's, it's much more enjoyable, especially when you're starting to read, when you're starting to develop that skill. So I, I totally understand where he's, he's coming from. <laughs> yes. He's constantly arguing with the PH versus the F. He does not, he doesn't, he's like, it should just be an F. Why isn't it just an F? So does he read to you in Spanish at home? Yeah. So, um, Actually, right before we got on complete lockdown here um, in Madrid for the quarantine, I went and took him to the art store and the bookstore to pick some things out. And he picked out this chapter book that was all in Spanish. And I was like, uh, Grayson, maybe let's not get that book. Let's maybe let's get some English books, you know, <laughs> like some early readers. Let's. And he's like, no, no, I've been wanting to read this. And I'm like, okay. So I had him. So I let him get it. And he ended up reading, finishing the book within the first week. And we made him tell us what it was about. And like, so I wanted to make sure he understood what he was reading and not just sounding out the words. And he did a little presentation for us with his drawings and was able to explain the whole book to us. Um, so it was really kind of neat. And, and Elizabeth, you just mentioned... Um what's what's happening right now well really it's happening everywhere but particularly where you are in spain uh you're on lockdown and um we wanted to hear a little bit about that how how are you guys living how is it going how does it feel oh lot there's there's lots of feelings um you know i will say it happened so very quickly it was literally like one week like milan got locked down And my brother sent me the, um, Milan in Italy, and my brother sent me the news report or whatever that it was getting locked down. I was like, what? They're locking Milan? That is crazy. And then, um, you know, Madrid had a couple of cases. It wasn't really a big thing. Nobody was really, like, stressing out about it. It was just kind of like chit-chat in the streets. It wasn't, like, um, a worry. It, there was not a lot of cases. And then almost a week later, we were on lockdown, just like Milan. Um, so it happened so incredibly fast. And I think that's the, I think the whirlwind of it is what takes people like kind of throws you off emotionally because you're not prepared for something like that. Um, so I know, uh, his school announced that they were going to close because the Spain government or Madrid's government said all schools need to be shut down. And so it was more of like, oh, how am I going to work with him at home? What am I going to do? And then not even a couple of days after that, we were on complete lockdown, the entire, not just Madrid, but the entire uh, country, all of Spain, um, where we can't leave our homes except to go for food or medical. 
um, if you're an employee that requires you to leave the house, um, which is only essential employees at this point, not non-essential or all working from home. So it was really quite fast and it kind of took us for, for a loop. And I think for me personally, I'm an introvert, so I don't mind, and a homebody, so I don't mind being at home. Um, but the thing that really, I think, caused me some anxiety was not being able to take Grayson out at all because um, kids are not allowed out at all. So like if I have to go to the market to get us food, that's fine, but he can't come with me um, ever. So he literally has to be in the house at all times. And as a parent with an extroverted child, um, that that like sent me into kind of a little bit of a, um, some anxiety because he loves to be outside. He has a ton of energy and the thought of him being indoors all the time without any sun, direct sunlight or being able to go out was like, oh, as a parent, you just kind of feel that heavy. Like at least I can go outside and walk the dog. I can go out and get stuff at the market, but he can't at all. Um, and where we live, we don't have um, a balcony or a terraza. We just have, we have beautiful windows, which is nice and kind of like a little Juliet area, like a Juliet balcony, I think they call them. But it's like one step. So you can't really sit out there or anything, but at least we have those so we can let the sunlight in. But it's not like riding your bike or going for a run or even just walking with me to the grocery store. Um, so it's, it's the first time that I've ever missed my backyard in Houston. <laughs> Um, and probably will be the only time, but, um, yes. So it was, it's, it's been, um, you know, there's some days where we're like, this is fine. We're okay. And then there's some days it's like, how long is this going to last? There's so much uncertainty. This is, it's quite scary. The numbers in Spain continue to go up. Um, I think we passed China in number of deaths. Um, so it's, it's quite intense. And how has Grayson taken it though? He's... He seems to be making the best of it. <laughs> yeah, he's such a resilient kid. It's it's quite funny. Like uh, I remember when we first moved to Madrid, everybody would ask me, "Well, how's Grayson adjusting? Is he okay? How's he doing?" And he really he really just adjusted. He had no problems. He just kind of just did his own thing and lived his life. Um, he didn't really have, we didn't have any real big issues with the move with him. And it's kind of been the same with this. We haven't had any really big issues. We explained to him why he can't go outside. Um, Aaron, my husband did take Grayson down once to walk Frida, um, our dog, which literally we just walk across the street. Cause, um, in front of our building, we have like, um, I don't know what you would call it, like a grassy area. So you just literally cross the street, goes, she goes to the bathroom, we walk back across the street. It's very close. And so Aaron did um, take Grayson with him once just to kind of test the merit of this. And the police officer went right up to him and reminded him that Grayson can't be out at all. And so I think Grayson hearing the police officer and that experience helped reinforce what we were already telling him about why he can't go outside. Um, so he's just been making the best of it. It, um, it was funny we had some crazy weather the other day. It was hailing and he went out on our Juliet balcony and was like catching hell in his hands and like laughing and having a good time. So, you know, he's, he's just doing the best that he can do and having fun in any way. Um, his class is not doing homework. They're not doing homework online, his school. Uh, his teacher is sending us suggestions for activities and things, but there's no strict homework 
regulations. Um, but they are now meeting um, twice a day for Zoom calls just to talk. So all his classmates get together on a Zoom call and just chat. And it, that was quite funny. It was like all of a sudden I had a teenager walking around on a Zoom call phone <laughs> talking to his friends about what they've been doing. Um, but I think that was good for him to see his other friends and not being able to go outside and talking to each other. So that's been nice. That's great. And and are you keeping um, a certain... Like a, some sort of structure during the day. I mean, I've tried to do a schedule and the schedule just laughs at me. Um, so I'm not, I, I kind of like decided to quit it with like making the day super organized, but I have, I'm trying to figure out some level of structure right now in Miami, it's spring break. So school is um, not in session. Um, but next week we want to begin with having some sort of, you know, not maybe not at, with a time frame, just having a list of things that we want to accomplish on that day um, and hoping that can set expectations for the day. But I mean, I'm still I don't know. I'm not a very sort of organized person. So that's difficult. Um, and my family in general is not very organized. So I wonder if you have um, any suggestions or if what you're doing at home to, to keep things somewhat, you know, structured and normal. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I realized a while ago that I would not be a good elementary school teacher. Um, I am great. If you want to talk to kids about gratitude or mindfulness or kindness, like I'm great with social emotional <laughs> skills, but if you try to get me to teach a child math, it's not going to, it's not going to be great. So I decided <laughs> during this whole thing, um, that what I would do is give Grayson, um, like blocks of things he needs to do, like blocks of things. So like basically every day I just create um, I, like art, um, music, um, cooking. So he helps me cook and I'll just create these different kind of areas of things he needs to do. And then he can do them however he wants to do them. So if he wants to do art and that's painting or that's working with clay or, or that's watching, I think it's like Mo Williams doodle, time like however he wants to do his art block that's his choice um whatever he wants to cook he gets to pick a recipe and we'll cook it but basically I've just decided to kind of you know there's reading and writing so he's practicing those things but it's not um a rigid schedule and that kind of works for us because he's kind of doing a whole bunch of different stuff but on his terms and he gets to check it off throughout the day and kind of pick how he does that stuff Um, and that keeps my sanity. It keeps him active and engaged. Um, but then that way we're not fighting over sit down and do this math worksheet because I think at the end of this, it's going to be more important for his emotions than for actually, did he master his subtraction tables? I don't know. Like, so that's kind of my general viewpoint. (laughs) That's very true. It's very good advice. And now they need, I feel like all of us <laughs> need to just take care of ourselves mentally and and emotionally more so than achieve peak productivity. So same goes for kids. That's really useful to know. I mean, it is it's important to be sort of kind to ourselves to make sure that you know, we are okay because I think that if we're not okay, our kids are not going to be okay. And keeping our sanity somehow that's always that's always a priority, but right now it feels like 
it's essential because we're we're at home with each other. Yes. You know, trying to look at the positives, the fact that 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 we can I mean I I was um earlier this last week actually, I was thinking about how my life um, my family life was sort of, I felt, I felt like I had lost control of it a little bit uh, between our crazy schedules. And, you know, my husband and I both work full time and so is at school all day. And I was starting to feel like I, like life was sort of out of my control. Like I really, I, I just, I, I felt very um, like in a tizzy a little bit. And I was wondering how we could center ourselves. And honestly, I didn't, I, this is not what I wanted <laughs> to be stuck at home because there's like a massive pandemic crisis, you know, going on in the world. But like, I'm trying every day to wake up in the morning and know, hey, I'm going to spend the whole day with my family. Um, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be able to give my daughter, you know, more, more, more of the time, more of my time, you know, and I'm going to be able to sort of have this sort of almost leisurely time. I mean, I haven't done this ever since she was born. And I don't know, it, it, that helps me sort of stay focused and understand that, you know, this will pass and that maybe there's something that I can get from this that's, that's bigger than, you know, what's actually happening. So it, it's, it's sort of important to, even if your thoughts wander a little bit into, you know, panic or whatever it is, you know, anxiety about this situation, which is perfectly normal, it's good to also sort of ground yourself. Yeah, I think absolutely. I think it's good to um, see what you can, you know, how you can find the joy in in the midst of all of this and that there's going to be some really good memories that come through all this. It's going to be hard and there's going to be challenges. And I mean, I don't think anybody in the world has, have we really experienced something like this, um, this kind of global pandemic and when you look at it, it can be really daunting and really frightening. But at the same time, there's going to be some beautiful and joyful moments in there that you're going to get with your with your children, with your partners, you know. Um, and so I think cre- creatively, you can tap into your creativity during this time. I think there's good. You can always find nuggets of good, no matter what the circumstances are. And I think um, that's something that we can do here. But I think it's also good to just honor however you feel that day. I know um, the first week, um, there were two days where I just, I did nothing. Grayson and I just had movie day. We didn't get out of pajamas. We just made homemade popcorn and watched movies all day in our PJs. And we needed that. I needed that. Um, You know, so I think it's good to honor just where you are every single day through the process and take it day by day. Thank you, Elizabeth, for taking the time to speak to us and for your great advice to parents now at home with their families. You can follow Elizabeth at Chiqui Days on Instagram and read her poetry at Elizabeth M. Quintal. Also check out the business at The New Antiquarians. As always, join us in our Facebook community or on Instagram to continue the conversation. We hope you and your families are safe and healthy. Hasta la próxima. Nos vemos.